Hello, my name is Julie King and this is the Bonnelly Tourism in a New Era podcast. Each week I'll be interviewing global leaders in the complete tourism supply chain. We will hear how they've adapted, challenges they've faced and overcome, new measures in place and how they are innovating in marketing to rebuild confidence. Last week, we sat down with the first of three global travel leaders to hear about the measures they're taking to focus on sustainability of their businesses, the industry and the planet. Liz Anderson, Managing Director of Sundowners Overland, was our first guest in the series of three. Today, I'm delighted to welcome back Neil Rogers, Managing Director of Adventure World Travel. Neil, welcome and thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Julie. It's a pleasure. We had a great conversation two weeks ago on the Unite on Purpose Summit Masterclass along with Brett Mitchell from the Intrepid Group and Liz Anderson. And today I want to go into a bit more depth on the impact on your business and how you see the future of the industry and travel. So we'll start with impact. Neil, 2020, as you know, has been an incredibly challenging year for the whole of the tourism industry. We spoke within the first few months of the pandemic, if you recall, and as we come to the end of this year, We've now been working through this crisis for nine months. So how difficult has this been for you to operate a business in? And what are the challenges you've faced with travel partners, your business deals, both locally and internationally? Yeah, well, I think, you know, and I'll refer a lot to the Travel Corporation because we're all so interwoven together. And, you know, we're celebrating a centenary. And the rhetoric at the start from the TTC board was very much, yep, we'll get through this. And as time progressed on and on, the rhetoric was changing it over a century. They have never seen an impact like this. We sent millions of travelers across the globe for a company that size to, okay, right, let's reset. Okay, what are we doing on the ground? What's the peace of mind policy? It was uncharted water. So I can only imagine with the support networks that we had, what every travel company was going through. It was just every day was a different rule. The first element was getting our clients back. And, you know, we had clients that just refused to return because also they didn't see it as what the longevity was going to be. So we had clients in Cusco and in Lima, and they were like, no, we're we're very happy staying at our nice five-star boutique property. We have no intention of returning home, even when we had to pass it on to the government officials to say, we need to get these people home. So I think everybody in that first instance was right duty of care to the customer, regardless of what they've paid or what they have done. Travel Corporation was just want to get them home, get them home, get them sorted, get them safe. And then the next phase was right. All right, phones, chaos. We send over 40,000 travelers a year out of Adventure World. And even though we have big teams here, you'd never be ready for that response. So people were just working 24-7 then to go, okay, what's the refunds? What's the policy? And of course, as always, it was about for every business was cash flow management of it. And you didn't want all of this hard work that you created with your agents to be for nothing. So in essence, we came out with, the, as many companies did, I think on an FIT space, we were the ones that did the 10% credit. And just the industry then with Virgin going down, there was other travel companies that had gone bust. And, and there were some companies that weren't doing the right thing by their passengers. So there's a lot of angst out there with, customers. And I felt so sorry for our agency partners because they were the front end really yeah. dealing with that hardship. But as time has progressed through and as you know, the stem of refunds and rebookings and all has staggered through, I think then at Travel Corp as a global entity, we were seeing different policies for different countries. So with the US team, you know, a lot of that, they were still booking and getting ready to travel on the next season. 
where it was Australia, New Zealand, and India were the only countries that had firm, closed borders. Now, that has certainly played to our strength as our COVID policy now. But it's good now to see as we're coming to the end of the beginning and the positivity of vaccines and that discussion. And I think it's only now with the Australian borders open that there's a level of degree for companies that offer a domestic program that they're starting to get bookings from that. And we are getting international bookings, but it is for 2022. People of quarter three of next year are still a bit skeptical, but the momentum has begun. So I know now we're getting into the Christmas period. That'll be people's mindset. And there's only so much travel you can do in Australia. And then yeah. overnight, it will happen in quarter one. The floodgates will open and it'll be bang. And we'll be ready to take that business. As all businesses, if they can, keep that engine room fired because when it's going to hit, it's going to hit big. Yeah, absolutely. And what do you think, Neil, have been your biggest lessons of 2020? If you were to you know, reflect on the year that's been, what would be the biggest lesson that you've taken out of this? Biggest lesson is collaboration. We all tend to go into our silos and work in our teams. Uh, and even at Travel Corp, you know, we're all very protective of our babies. And you know, even when I looked at the, the adventure set working with partners that we would have seen as, as competitors before, it was something, right, we need to come together to work through to this. Also in Travel Corp, you know, I'd be reaching out to our sister companies in other areas of development and saying, right, how can we come together as a collegiate? Because even when the travel industry launched at COVID, we were still pretty disparate. You know, the, you know Cato were separate as to Clea and afterward they're in their own thing. And I think that did kind of hold us back. And I think, you know, also with your rhetoric and the Bonnelly team and some of the webinars going through this whole collegiate element, I hope that we can set aside those competitiveness and lead as an industry group because we got pretty battered at the start of COVID yeah. and uh, there was nobody really as if we were together combined we could have quashed that very quickly. Yeah absolutely and do you think that for the travel corporation that has changed the way that you're going to operate going into the year 2021 now you know through all of those lessons? Well one of the things which came about a little bit by necessity but also then when we looked at it, this makes total sense, was it's an internal grouping called the Velvet Collection. And really what that brings, the power of the premium brand. So Inside Vacations, Luxury Gold, Adventure World, UniWorld, and our hotel chain, the Red Carnation Property Group. And now we work together. Okay, well, where's a great opportunity where all of these products, which we all operate in the same countries, could be positioned at or how we're working with Travel Associates or Virtuoso as a group. So that, and also with a joint Salesforce team out in Mark, but also keeping your expertise and your specialists, that has been a great thing. And I know with AAT Kings and Trafalgar, they're working as a guided holiday set. So that's been a good way of which where A1, it is more efficient, but also it has yeah. unleashed a whole new range of opportunities. And I think our agents and networks out there, they get it and they go, well, that, that actually makes sense. You should have done that a bit earlier. Yeah, yeah, good. And what measures have you now put in place as a business moving forward, you know, for travel resuming, hopefully into the, the first quarter next year, where we hopefully see some travel bubbles being created? But what measures have you put in place to ensure consumer confidence? Well, there's been kind of three core elements. Number one is your peace of mind policy. And yeah. for us as an FIT operator, you know, where we have 20,000 independent products, 
And that was all of the product teams doing a full audit and then making sure, okay, well, this is our highest level of procedures. And we are fortunate working with a corporation of this size that they have strict parameters of what each company needs to adhere to as a basic given and then above that wellness directors in that sense. So, And also working with the world standards, WTTC and a whole range of organizations that give the assets up to help you go through. The other side of which we've been fortunate about, but really showcases consumer sentiment, is they are so aware of the financial stability of a company. You know, yes. When we went out on this time, and you can look at it right now on ttc.com, the first time the organization has actually had to come out with a show of strength of financial arms. In essence, it's a, a legal document that shows that with our Red Carnation Hotel property, we have over $30 million of assets in one other element. And you know that went to me. It's like, we've never had to do that before, but yeah. consumers are wanting to say, okay, what's your peace of mind policy? Is your money going to be safe with me when I'm ready to travel? And number three, what is the product that you're actually offering for this new momentum? Yeah. So it's put a lot of us to really, you know, as a private company, put your cards on the table and go, yep, we're safe, we're sound, we're a century old. And that's what consumers are wanting. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's great. Moving on to collaboration, and we've talked a little bit about this, that our industry was very much working in silo. Did you see that happening on a global scale as well? Or mainly was it on a local scale? It varied because also you would see different streams from consortia. Yeah. For example, I think the leading consortia group globally was virtuoso and how they led their communications going through. I thought they really set the pace, but then it's unfair to also say that for the likes of some of our Australian-owned companies where they just simply didn't have the manpower of that size. And we were the only countries, as I said, including New Zealand and India, that had the the full lockdown. So it was such a major impact on their bottom line. But, you know, I was presenting last week at the Hello World Virtual Awards and the team is back and they're engaged and they're agents. And so everybody's adapting. It may have taken all of us a little time to reset and get, get back out there, but Shogun got Flight Center, Hello World, First Travel Group, New Zealand. Everybody is now getting back into the game and it's exciting to see that resonating and moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. And what do you believe in your opinion needs to change in the way that the global industry comes together to address challenges? Do you see it very much being led by global associations or how do you see that moving forward? This isn't anything new. And to be honest, even pre-COVID, there was always discussions on one in particular, which was our webinar before, is on responsible and sustainable travel. And you know what? We've always recommended that travel companies follow the UN sustainable goals. And we've adopted 11 of them into our plans. But when you look about that, there isn't a universal kind of platform. And when I was talking to our colleagues in the United Kingdom who have a very strong like ABTA force that's to be reckoned with and in terms of payments and safety nets, you know, we don't have that in Australia anymore. And I think it has put the lens on things to kind of go, well, who's doing what? And I know you're on the board with Cato and the team there. They've been so proactive and courtesy Darren Rudd now too and clear. So that's why I hope that this will come together in a forum and ANZ-wide and even maybe APAC that we can have a real force and a voice at the table. Absolutely. Neil, moving on to some subjects around marketing, you and I have both spoken about, you know, the type of marketing needed for the future in this new era. And we've spoken about the fact that campaigns are shifting, you know, from inspirational marketing to human-connected 
and emotional storytelling campaigns that are authentic and that consumers are looking much more for that experience moving forward. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, and it's I guess it's still a little bit early to start rolling out your plans for marketing, but, you know, what you have in mind going forward into next year in 2021 in terms of how you will shift to adapt to this trend. And I, and I guess from what I've seen in the past with, you know, Adventure World Travel, you have been doing a lot of that, but have you taken it to another level to shift that forward? I think as on one side, you know, everybody's coming through with these new ideas of marketing and what the travel market will want and yeah. you know, sustainable trips. And as you say, it's too early to tell whether we will go back to our existing habits and mm. be flying here, there and everywhere and, and doing it as we've always done. But in essence, we have sentiment trackers across all of our web pages. So we're monitoring closely and being very cautious of how we communicate, knowing that we can't internationally travel. So I think, you know, like everybody in March, from St. Patrick's Day, since we've got the closures through, we were doing things like learn, <laughs> learn how to make empanadas with Annette, our Latin America team, and all of that fun stuff, to now being confident to start to pull the product trigger and to look at programs. That, and the ones that are selling, are the ones that are exceptionally good value. They look at the program and go, my God, is that really the price? And they have flexible booking conditions like cancellation for COVID policies up to 45 days. And you need to have contracted rates. Really, you're still in 2022 and some of our expedition product into 2023. So that'll be hard for the industry in that sense to wait that period, but money will be coming through. In terms of marketing, certainly our demographic is the 45 plus and Looking now at the spike in hard copy collateral and brochure orders, I had thought, you know what, is this, is this the end of brochures and that style of collateral? People still like that tactile point. Normally, yes. this time of year coming up to Christmas, we'll get our biggest run. People will take their brochures out over Christmas and they'll look through them and they'll show to their partner what to do. And as much as it sounds very old school, I think there's always going to be that really beautiful tactile direct mail piece balanced with a full digital set. So the digital is where the detail stays yeah. and you know where yeah. you, your cabin categories and all of that and that can be nicely positioned online but inspiration piece you know we don't even get bills through our mailbox anymore but you know mm-hmm. i just did a, a lovely tactile piece for national geographic limblad expeditions and the success rate of that program with a, a unique booking code shows me that very much don't throw out direct marketing mail out of your mix just yet right interesting to know and you know obviously we've seen consumers being on digital 24 hours a day during this whole nine months of the pandemic. And in many ways, you know, people have got a bit of fatigue from being online all the time. Do you see in the way that you change your marketing moving forward that there will be much more of a heavier shift in that digital space? Or do you think, as you were just talking in terms of brochures, that you'll have a more blended approach throughout your marketing services that you offer? My big element moving forward is databases. And this has come to the fore with agents and groups that have the strong databases, never more in a COVID world. If you're saying, well, actually, you should do this product because ABC and I'm vouched for it. We've had a long relationship with Taronga Conservation Society, the Australian Museum. They're getting ready to do their King Tut exhibition. And um, they've been overwhelmed by the amount of people that want to come in and experience the products again. Virtual fatigue, absolutely. Is there a place for it? You know, we've just launched our, our travel inspiration series, which are, is virtual kind of webinars, meet the experts online. And it's great, but I do think, you know, if you don't do it well, 
people will very quickly turn off. And the follow-up and the work that's actually involved in getting a virtual program correct and well-presented and flawless and even the videos timing and bringing hosts into a hell of a lot of work. But I do think, you know, I'm looking forward to getting with our sales teams back on the road and we're planning on functioning and events. As now, the rules are starting to be relaxed. I will be bringing our, our wild roadshow next year across the country because I don't think you can replace for high-end product that person-to-person mix. Talking now about innovation, since we last spoke, how have you innovated your business in the nine months of the pandemic? Or if you're planning to innovate more in 2021, can you tell us more about how you plan to do that? Yes. So we resisted, and I was under a lot of pressure under the Travel Corporation to launch a domestic program because there was like, Neil, if you don't sell international, what the hell are you going to be selling for the next 12 months if Aussies Mm. and Kiwis can't travel? Mm. So I said, then, well, look, Let's get ourselves ready because if we can't load the programs for 2021 as if they're not buying it, we should be loading now 2022 and 23. So contracting rates and programs and then having it market ready. So in essence, you were doing two years of work in one. And I said, right, we'll not do domestic, but if somebody wants to book for Africa in 2022 or 23, I'll have the rates and programs ready so they can actually book it. Rocky Mountaineer. So we're, I think, in a unique space where we resisted that, but we're reaping the benefit now. The other side is a whole new suite of programs under our non-for-profit, the Treadwright Foundation. Now, the family hold that like a sanctity grit to their heart because it is a non-for-profit. And I said to them, well, there's so many people actually want to experience the, go to the orangutan century to give back. And this is the sentiment that we're hearing how about you let me put together the most exceptional small group journey series on people, culture, and planet. And we launched that in quarter two of next year. And that, you know, I'm unveiling it here, but that is what we've been innovating this time. Yeah, what a great idea. And you're right. There are so many people that are looking at having that type of experience moving forward. So that's a great initiative. Well done. And have you seen much innovation, Neil, either here locally in Australia or internationally that you've looked at and thought, yeah, company are really changing you know the way that they're doing things for the right reasons moving forward and you think that's you know how the industry should be moving towards have you seen any great examples of that well look at with my marketing hat on you know Kentucky are always leading the way and they came up very quickly with brochures not going into market and distribution stuff they were like well how are we going to bring and engage our programs through and they launched a whole new series of interactive digital display units that brought hard copy to life, blend with videos, real cut visuals of people live in destination. So they kind of brought the whole areas to it. And we adapted it and we did a a Husky Safari in Finland, making it live moments through that. And I think, you know, all of those curated content in marketing will have so much advanced us through. And also the fact that the entire world and our demographic of the baby boomers are now so digitally savvy because everybody to speak to their grandkids they're on zooms or teams and you know i have so many old school people in in my contact center that i'd never thought i'd get them working remote and we have moved forward five to ten years in the digital space usability than what we have ever been thinking of so whereas i maybe would never put that into the playbook of my core demographic target market i'm saying well they're geared up they're ready for it they would purchase a unique product curated online. So it is exciting in that sense. And outside of the travel corporation, have you seen anything that, you know, you have thought was particularly innovative in this time? 
Not to be honest in this time, because I mm. think unfortunately so many people have scaled back yeah. just out of necessity that it probably has stifled that yeah. in our market. People have just resorted, let's get a domestic program out. Let's see, what are we, how are we keeping the door open, let yeah. alone how are we going to innovate? And yeah. So it's a real luxury to do that. But I think this period of time now before for international travel, for those that have been the last quarter and probably the next, we've all been working on strategy yeah. and say, so, okay, well, what are we going to be as we come out of this? We don't want to go back to yeah. the norms, but if anything, this innovation is companies and ways of working. You know, there's yeah. 700 people normally in the Bondi Junction office here. I think we have about 40, but there's still about 500 people working away remotely, which you think of that and productivity measures and how they all dial that in it is phenomenal. One of the things we'll launch in February is called Genesis, and it's a whole new telecommunications global platform for Travel Corp. And we can pull calls everywhere. And it's a huge change management piece. And to have been working on that remotely, it just shows you the versatility and adaptability of, of people. Technology Absolutely. has pushed us through, which is great. And do you see, I mean, there's a lot of companies talking at the moment as to whether they go back into office situations or whether they have a more blended model of some working remotely and some coming back into offices. Do you think, because everyone's been doing it pretty well over this last nine months, do you think you'll have more of an agile approach on that as a business as well moving forward? I've always been an ambassador for mm. flexibility. If I had a consultant that was 20 years in South America yeah. and they decided to move to Gosford, why the hell would you lose that knowledge that you can have them remotely based all yeah. on systems? Yeah. So we've been working through that in a way and it hasn't always been a shared vision. One of the issues is not productivity, but it's having your mentors in your business for somebody that has been 20 years versus somebody new in the Latin America team. They're not that right there to say, okay, well, how you, they're not listening to the conversations yeah. that's happening around you. And I think you've got to be really strong on how you're managing your company culture yeah. to keep everybody aligned and feeling as one. So for us now, we are in planning stage to return people to our offices, probably on a three-day-a-week basis, but creating now brand hubs yeah. in the building. So with FlexiDesk, so that you can come in and be a part of it as much as you want, but to create the environment, learning sessions, social activity that right. people want to return. So it's more like, I want to give you flexibility because you'll be a very loyal employee, but yeah. also look at the company culture here, have a taste of that too. So a balance and a blend. Yeah. Not ideal, not perfect, but I think is the way of the future. I think it's the way forward, isn't it? Absolutely. So moving into trends, we've talked about a number of trends, you know, in the past from particularly from silo to integrated and the shift from global right now to local, but then moving back from local to global to be local and also much heavier focus on consumer conscious consumption. So we talked about that a little bit more at United and Purpose Summit. But can you tell us a bit more in depth today how specifically you're aligning, you know, with those trends in, you know, some of the products you're offering? So obviously we talked about the one just now that you're referring to, which is quite niche and very specialized. Is there any others in that respect that you've aligned, you know, with those local trends? As I said, we've been on this journey for a while and more, more people will do it in the sense that where we stay, not chain hotels, although they're fabulous, they have their place. Yeah. But for our market, it's boutique areas. Who's the local guide? Who's the local produce that they're not having a buffet meal and, and that access? Yeah. Those will play into it. But I've also got to say, you know, I'm speaking to some of my our cruise company 
partners out there, they're busy. So I think it's very early days. It'll be interesting to see the conscious consumption. Will it just bring a few more followers on? Will it be the mass change? Or will that, and I still think there will be that playbook where cruise around Hawaii for 10 nights for a couple of grand, all you can eat expenses in, that will sell. So all the travel products have their market. I just do hope that sustainability is the, the parameter through it. And as we mentioned earlier, if there is a easier way for consumers to know what they're actually purchasing and that they're traveling right, because every traveler, regardless of budget or style or influence, wants to know that they're not causing any harm or duress in anything that they do. It'd be the last thing they want. So if us as an industry can set the benchmark across the board for all travel, I think it's a win-win. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And what feedback, Neil, are you receiving from your customer database at the moment in relation to booking travel and their expectations moving forward? So I guess we've talked about the fact that the need for, you know, making sure they've got that agility in their bookings and making sure that their money is safeguarded. Mm. But what else is important that you're hearing from your customers moving forward? Well, a lot of it, I think it has made people a little bit more aware of themselves and that never did they think that a country could lock its borders and that they could not travel. So certainly what I'm trending is for, number one, for areas that are a little bit more remote. Canada's up there, Norway's up there. It's the premium market that's returning the quickest. Right. And certainly those that are in the know, if they want a specific lodge, a bear lodge or a safari, they're getting in there quick because they know that will be a challenge for them because the world is traveling. And I think then we're also seeing the big ticket bucket list items being brought a bit forward instead yeah. of saying, you know what, we're going to do that in five years. Like, you know what, we're actually going to do it now. Yeah. And the safety parameters around it. So I can imagine that's just our segment, but I also know like chatting to my colleagues at Kentucky, they're now finding that the duration of trip is getting longer and longer for their Europe vacation. So where we had sent that trend earlier on that maybe we wouldn't be flying as much, but the flights that we do do, we'll be in a destination for longer. We're certainly seeing that trend in Kentucky, and that's always the one that moves the dial first. Yeah, that's interesting. And do you think with that trend through Kentucky, are they seeing also a shift in the type of accommodation changing as well? Because if they're going to be doing longer trips, then I'm assuming that the needs, you know, with their accommodation bookings will greatly change or from that accommodation provider will greatly change. They've been on a journey too because they own their own like style castles and programs. So they've right. really gone into that big boutique style too. So I think that that whole evolution of traveler that would have done the Europe in its day has evolved and they are very much the sustainability ambassadors. And, you know, the one thing I was talking to them about is now they do a tour through Amsterdam with a refugee. So it's great just to see that the youth always leads the way in that sense. So I love to see the Kentucky programs because they kind of give me the foresight of, okay, what's this database going to be coming through? And they're really conscious, sustainable travelers, even asking about the coach fleets that we use and really kind of offset their carbon emissions too. So that's a good, good thing to see. Yeah, it's a good gauge, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Based on the feedback that you're receiving around pricing and added value at the moment, how much of that is a real consideration for the future? Do you think it's more the value will become more important than the actual pricing in the end and people will want what they want? Or do you think that pricing is still going to be a huge consideration because people economically have been impacted? I've always tried to bring soft adventure travel programs to all. 
And yeah. I think, you know, for our category, there is a tendency for the wildlife to, to just be out of range, to be in that five-star category where it's not available to everyone. So we've really strived to, you know, give a three-star option, a four-star option, and a five-star option where yeah. you can have the same experience in a destination, different accommodation levels, of course, but I hate to be the elitist side of, well, you know, safari is only for this segment. Yeah. It's one world, everybody travels in it. So that's kind of where I think, you know, price and value will play together. Certainly even for the premium market, it's less about the dollar discount. It's more about the value adds and inclusivity. Yeah. They yeah. recognize, you know, they will never go to a lower standard. They have their presets, you know, and that can vary depending on the remoteness of the destination. But if something of significance is included in like a private transfer, they get that. And so that resonates more with them. So everybody's always after a deal of some sort, but it's really the value add to the the certain markets. And I just want to touch on a little bit about the vaccine situation, because obviously right now we're seeing, you know, that that's escalating. And in the UK, they're starting to roll some, you know, areas out. What do you envisage will happen with your customer database? And what's your views and what will happen within the wider population when the vaccine, you know, comes out? Because we're hearing that obviously some airlines are, you know, already specifying that people need to be vaccinated to travel long haul in future. What kind of impact do you think that's going to have? Look, it may not be a popular decision, but in Mm. the sense that we've always gone out and said, you know what, there's going to be some certain people that travel and there's going to be people that in this world will not travel. Don't waste your time marketing to those ones that are not planning to travel at all. They will be the ones that don't take the vaccine. Focus on the ones that are wanting to go. And in that sense, you know, it's great that we are in pretty much such a low COVID transmission rate in Australia and New Zealand. When we're visually seeing what's happening in the UK and US, which are very close markets aligned to us, I think it's great that the UK has come out so soon. And with robust testing, mm-hmm. I think you know, we're in a very fortunate position because we can't travel internationally is to watch. Yeah. And I think as we see the UK market move forward as they travel and Hopefully, and thankfully, there'll there'll not be any repercussions or side effects from the Pfizer. But once we see that, I think there'll be that comfort level. And it'll get into like getting your flu shot. But certainly, I've seen the rhetoric online as well, too. It's like, you don't know what you're getting injected with. Those people will always be there. But for the ones that were willing to travel, I'm sure they'll be lining up to get their COVID pass. And I can't think, you know, I was chatting with my folks here in Ireland, and there's a nail we are lining up to get our vaccination, put it in our electronic passport, and we're coming to Australia to see you. So there will be people that will want that. And I think they will be the majority and not the minority. So how are you feeling in general about 2021? And at what stage do you expect it will see signs of recovery in, in your business and the, in the wider industry as well? I always laugh because all of the presentations I'm doing to consortia at the moment, I start with this image of beautiful sundowners in South Africa. <laughs> and I said, look, this is why we travel. Got to remember this image this is why we're in this industry. And the sun setting is the sun setting on 2020. But in my heart, 2021 is going not to be a barrel of laughs either. You know, yeah. it's going to be a damn tough year, yeah. but it's not hopefully going to be as bad as bushfires and COVID in 2020. So yeah. that's all I can hold my hat on at the moment. And just saying that we're moving for and vaccinations. And even to the fact that the state borders are open, it's a big mind shift for Australians to get back on an aircraft again. That's right. Oh, to see a piece of theater, to get normality back. And then I'm 
quietly hopeful for quarter three, the Northern Hemisphere summer that we can get some travel away. That's what I'm hanging my hat on. But as a business, we have not budgeted for it for next year. So pretty much we're just working on a cash flow. I have been asked to put a budget together. So really what we're looking at is the departures in 2022 that's a given. What well, is 2021 is going to be cream. How do you feel Australia has handled and managed COVID-19, both from a control of the outbreak and economically within our industry compared to other parts of the world and what you've witnessed? Look, you know, if you were talking to me probably six months ago, I was like, how dare we not close the borders? How dare we not bring Australians <laughs> home that should be yeah, here? Yeah. And, you know, even when Daniel Andrews was locking down Victoria, the rhetoric was so against him then. And, and now we're all high-fiving ourselves to, to be in New South Wales today where the restrictions are lifting for, by Christmas. And I look in the United Kingdom and my family can't even meet each other now on Christmas Day. And, yeah. you know, we just see as, as of over the weekend the severe lockdown for California. So there'll be so much analysis done on this, but, you know, to be COVID safe in Australia, to now be officially out of a recession when the rest of the world is plummeting, to see expenditure in landscaping, home furnishings, and now the domestic market pumping, house prices rising. I will be selfish and say that, you know, for the sacrifice of international travel, to get Australia and New Zealand, their economy firing in a better way and getting the hospitality workers back, entertainment, and this package for our travel agents, I think they've done a very good job. And I think they've set us up for flicking that switch. When those borders uh, reopen, everybody will be ready to book their holiday and we'll be inundated. Yeah, absolutely. I think we'll all be ready to fly out. Moving on a little bit more to, and I want to spend a little bit of time on this because you do it so well, talking about your robust, responsible tourism programs and the way that you manage sustainable tourism in general. Can you talk a little bit more about this for the benefit of the global audience on how these programs and practices have what you do currently and and have they evolved since the start of the pandemic? And and do you plan to evolve them further, you know, moving into 2021, apart from the, the product we talked about earlier? Our Tread Right Non-For-Profit launched over 12 years now, and it's always got to evolve. And yeah. even when I look at our wildlife policy of when that started, we still have programs like the shark cage diving in South Africa, Calgary Stampede. And if you have a rigid policy, it's not going to survive. So you've always got to be changing it up. And the one learnings that was really good for us as a group was bringing our employees into the mix and partnerships. So the conversation keeps developing and bringing other partners on board too, like our conversations with consortia on product offerings are like, you really should push this one out and when it's not commercially in your best interest. But also simple things like the reward of, we moved two years ago, our documentation out of the mass beautiful wallets that we used to get with handmade sustainable ones by a women's refuge group in Northern India. And you cannot, stop the infectionness of, of how good that feels and projecting yeah. it through. And everything now from, you know, from this COVID element to how we're really working in a paperless office, as much as we've tried to curtail that, we got a lot of flack from the industry by going to e-docs across the board as well with an initiative to one tree planted where now there's 500 acres of trees. And I think things like that where the conversation would have changed the also part was educating agents and consumers. You know, 
this is why you shouldn't ride on the back of an elephant. Yeah. And those conversations are becoming less now, which is great because the rhetoric yeah. is understood and observational only experiences. So it means now that when I look at our 2025 strategy, we're going further and further along quicker than we actually thought we would be. Right. So uh, carbon neutral by 2030 across the board and the products and also looking about how we're operating in the local areas. You know, what's the female to male ratio of local guides? What's the diversity mix in our offices? And it's great also to see, and on the calls that you've hosted too, of really shown how any company can take a little step to change yeah, it. That's great. And so what changes do you think are required to shift the industry and, sh- and ensure sustainability moving forward? but still while driving that positive impact on the world and ensuring that we've actually got a stronger economy moving forward. So if we were just, you know, to look at the world now and say, okay, we've learned from 2020, what do you think businesses can be doing going into 2021 with a focus on those areas? It now makes business sense to look at your footprint. And there's a lot of companies out there that have greenwashed and given it lip service. And I think we now have an educated consumer. And certainly with us bringing the toolkits out to recognize as a standard of what you should expect, I do believe that the consumers will lead the change. They'll be saying, well, on your website, where is your animal welfare policy? What donations are my money giving back to the local community that I'm traveling to? A lot of people, whatever destination they're going to, know it has been impacted by the removal of travel and tourism. So I think that will speed the gauge. And already, even looking at some of the the work that the big cruise lines are doing, which is game-changing for them, that's a millions and millions on those products. If that, even those small elements of change are incremental, what a fabulous industry that we will have moving forward. You can't get away from the carbon footprint of us flying on aircraft and that side of it, but that is life. We're not going to give that up. But if we can do it more feasibly then I think that consumer demand will will lead the change. Absolutely, absolutely. And on my last point, Neil, what advice would you give from your experience so far to other global travel partners in evolving their businesses and being more agile to be ready for this new era and moving into 2021? You've said the key word, it's agile. When I look back, you know, at one stage I was stocking brochures downstairs, Norman, and then you're on an executive call with a board and... So you've got to be able to flux, go in and out and and never have yourself too highly decked that you cannot get out of a situation. The more agile you can be, the quicker you can be speed to market. And I attend as many meetings as I can throughout the company. So I'll go to the heads of sales or heads of marketing. If you get yourself too removed, you won't know what's going on. And at a time like this, where all of us have had to strip back executives, if you don't know what's going on in your own company, there's no hope for you. So of me, and it's even been a learning to me, it's like, right, get back into it again. What's happening in digital marketing? Because it's so easy to get lost and be removed from it. So it's a humbling and a grounding, but it's the best thing. And smaller businesses are more well positioned to do it because they're doing it anyway and travel agents. So always keep your eye on the target and just keep moving through. Yeah, absolutely. Neil, thank you so much again for generously giving us your time and valuable insights today. We look forward to bringing you back on many panels in the future. We've already done that quite a lot with you this year. You doing this, bringing the community together, that's one of the, the core things of it. So thank you too. And uh, I know I you, it you're, carries on regardless. <laughs> you're very welcome. It certainly will be carrying on. We've got a lot of work to do next year, definitely, and moving forward. Thank you to our global community for supporting Bonnelly and being part of shaping the future of the tourism industry. 
Good evening, good afternoon, and good morning. <laughs>